0: My name's Dave Sherratt, hi, and I'm Jose Franca. welcome,
1: welcome to, to OD Audio.
0: Pulse. Hey Josie, how are you doing?
1: Good morning, Dave, I'm very well, how are you? How's life in London? Life in London is a bit kind of grey and miserable today, after the snow came the rain, so, but hey, another day in lockdown.
0: Yes, and I'm slowly emerging from the house being swallowed by an alien marshmallow, so... Um, which was the snow, in case you thought I was on drugs or something. So I'm, I'm really, <laughs> really happy that it's starting to melt. So Josie, what what, what, what are we talking about today? Well, so today we're talking about a really interesting and perhaps
1: quite divisive topic um, called toxic leadership. So it's such a big topic. And we, this might be part one. Who knows? We might even have part two and three. But I'm super excited that it's not just the two of us today. Today oh, yes. I've got um, someone that I've known for a couple of years, uh, and um, reminds me of our um, evenings out talking and putting, trying to put the world of HR to rights in Soho, <laughs> drinking wine. Um, so we've got the lovely Elsa with us. Um, uh, she's waving at the camera, but we can see, of course. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Elsa's worked in HR for, for many years, uh, and I. We've had some really good conversations over the years, talking about all sorts of people-related topics. Uh, and the other day, we were talking about the, the podcast and, and various things, and the topic of toxic leadership came up. And I thought, "Haha, would you like to come and join the two grumpy old O.D. men in, in, on, on the uh, on the podcast?" And, and there she is.
0: Excellent, Il- Ilsa, Welcome, welcome, O.D. Punks. Um, can you tell us a bit about who you are, what you do?
2: Yeah, good morning and thank you for having me. Um, I have been in HR director roles now for um, lots of years and have gone through um, probably a different journey to a lot of HR directors because my way of working has never been transactional or traditional. I didn't come from um, a career which brought me up through the HR ranks. I went into HR... In my 30s. Um, I think what that gave me was a broader vision of how an organisation ought to work. I came from operations. Um, nowadays, the work that I do is more around developing leadership teams and asking of them to work in a way which will I'm trying to look for the word here, but it's, it's it's getting teams to work in a progressive way which is um, more strategic um, but bringing the best out in people and you can edit a lot of that out.
0: <laughs> Not at all it's brilliant thank you. So so I, I guess when, when Joyce and myself were talking about the next topic, you immediately came to mind as, as a contributor in this field and, and somebody who's had a lot of lived experience, with working with toxic leaders so what when you think about the concept of toxic leadership what comes to mind first for you
2: um for me well then i think leadership by its very um connotation is is saying that that must come from the top of the organization and when it when that is not right at the top of the organization and the individual in that premier role whether that's a managing director or a chief executive is not taking ownership of the people side of the business it's not accepting that that is a leadership role and something they must look after then you no matter the best endeavors of that person's exec team or the senior management within that business and how hard they work it will never stack up because if that person's not seen to be um, authentic in their role, then then people mm-hmm. won't believe. And if they don't believe, they won't, in terms of leadership, follow. But they won't feel that they're getting guidance or a steer on what's expected from them
1: yeah it's a really good point and um and this is linking to that there's also this assumption that leadership is this great thing so leadership is seen as Mm. positive Mm. so if you look at any piece of literature research out there you know leadership is this this amazing we're going to be the saviors we're going to save the organization we're going to to save the nation (laughs) and then as you were saying there's you know this is high expectation because it's going to come from the top it's going to be great And, you know, years later, we've got, you know, dictatorships (laughs) and, you know, Trump and and a few others kind of
2: going around. So that's a really interesting interesting point. I think as well, what people don't maybe appreciate when they're in their sort of the emerging years of their career and they're not in a leadership position is that leadership's really hard. It's very hard. And you can't, like you've just Mm. said, you know, dictatorship. I think for me... What I've found has worked best in my career and where I've done the best work I can do with um, leadership teams is when it's consultative. Of course, someone has to take the ultimate, you know, the buck stops with them. But, you know, when you've got buy-in and you've got real support and people believe in what they're doing, then then that shouldn't be an issue. But yeah, leadership Mm -hmm. can be really scary.
0: I I think the interesting thing about toxic leadership is I often wonder, having coached a few... (laughs) (laughs) A few me my years is how how much of it, uh, and I think Josie alluded to this before we came into the recording. This how much of it is to do with the actual toxic leader, and how much of it is to do with us as either colluders or collaborators with that behaviour. Because um, g- leadership, by definition, needs followers. Yeah. You know, so the and again, I'm not I'm not taking the side of the toxic leader here, but they need followers. So. What is it we're maybe not doing enough of to to, to combat or, or manage these behaviours when we see them?
2: It's a really good point. And it was something I was thinking about before I joined this call is that for me, one of the worst um, examples of that is where you have a very passive mm. um, member of an exec team who will just go... Does this make my life easy? Does this make my life harder? Or I'm not going to stand up to that person because actually does it really matter to me. But then they're not thinking about the overall picture. They're not thinking about the organisation as a whole. And they're not thinking about the impact. So as long as their life's fine over in, you know, whatever department they work in, you know, it's all good for me, Jack. But actually it's not it's really not and in terms of what can we do Mm -hmm. well I suppose the obvious one is that we can challenge which then makes a difficult situation potentially for the challenger against a toxic leader you can try to gain that person's um, understanding you can try to change their point of view and in coaching toxic leaders I'm sure that's you know some of the work that you've done yourself um, i've been in that position and it can work to <clears throat> excuse me it's
0: toxic leadership oh it <laughs> it's
2: it's making you choke <laughs> um, yeah
0: toxic it's sticking in my throat
2: it won't come out yeah.
0: um
2: you know you can try you can try but think it mm-hmm. it depends on the characters involved and it depends on i guess their focus and who their stakeholders are what they envisage you know their mission to be but you know I went through a situation in a company where we spent three years on a people transformation and it was wonderful work and we had everyone and the whole mm-hmm. organization at the place it needed to be and mm-hmm. I was just so excited thinking what do we do mm-hmm. next what can we do next And I had a whole vision for what the next year should look like and at that point we had a chief executive who just went take that's done stop doing that now and I might bring another consultant in who's going to teach us to work a different way well hold on you know and there, there was no changing that and I think on reflection for how I then spent the next two years of my time I was battling that and I think actually if I could step back and speak to myself two years later I might just say Accept that there's nothing more you can do here. So at some points, battling is not the answer, and to accept and potentially say, "Well, this is no longer for me," in that situation might be the right thing on a personal level. Maybe not for the organisation.
1: No, I, no. I just there was just something you said there that was uh, also about kind of you know challenging leaders in, in the hope that they can change. Um, and. as you you were talking I was kind of thinking can we you know we despite all the efforts we've put in place coaching Dave I know and LCU as well and some of the 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 places you work at can we really help leaders toxic leaders really change do they really want to change um and and I don't I don't want to to put him on the spot just now but the 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 UK chairman of KPMG that was in the news in the last week. Um, I'm not disagreeing mm-hmm. with everything he said, <laughs> because I think he's got a, a valid point, you know, on on the, the you know um, unconscious bias training. I, I agree with him. I don't think it works. Uh, I disagree mm-hmm. with these other comments saying that unconscious bias is a thing. Um, and this is someone that uh, I've I, I I know from reading that he's he's made a couple of comments in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone quite senior, you know, should should be, should be more aware. So I'm wondering, in an organization like that, I'm assuming he would have been offered some kind of coaching of some sort and some some challenge, perhaps by even by by his peers and and leadership team. But did he really change? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, and again, I don't know the individual, so I don't want to pick on him. But uh, I'm wondering, you know, despite all our efforts in in the work that we do. Yeah. Um, can toxic leaders really change? And by the way, I'm not calling this guy a toxic leader. I'm yeah. just using it as just using it as an example, as it's as it's kind of it's in the news right now.
0: I, I think you got a good point, Josie, because I, you know, my sense is coaching is not uh, a silver bullet in this. You know, some of the attributes of toxic leadership um, that I was researching before our podcast, you know, narcissism, a you know, autocratic behavior, some of these things executive coaching is is not in a position to put right. Some of these things require psychotherapy and, and you're almost borderlining on somebody's personality issues. So I, I think where toxic leadership comes in, it's not necessarily a coachable thing unless somebody actually physically sees it. How many toxic leaders have you guys both worked for um, who've been unconsciously... Oh, you looking at me. You, you, I wasn't toxic, was it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, just just for the podcast, at uh, 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 one point in my career, Josie was in my team, but, you know, he, I just like going go on with it. Um, <laughs> you're mean. Um, but I, I think that there's a point where some of these things, are they actually coachable? And, and are you dealing with personality defects of an individual? You know, people who are... I've got issues with authority who behave in a passive aggressive manner you know that kind of stuff yeah and, and you know other than showing them the mirror which a coach does if they don't want to change.
2: I think that's really valid what you've said there about the you know the role of executive coaching and some of the personality traits that you're coming up against and I just was reflecting there on what have I ever done that was powerful and it was actually incredibly simple what I did that pulled up a toxic leader for a period of time. It wasn't a long time, but I could remind him very easily um, of of what we talked about and that was saying to him that every word you say, everything you say, whether it's in an internal communication, a meeting or in the corridor at reception, to a member of our team has the power of 10. So whatever I say might have the power of three because they look at me as the HR director and they think, what oh, better listen to what she says. But what you say and the impact it has is so big that people will take that as a truth or as a heart or whatever you know, impact it has to such a degree that, that it becomes an actual tangible thing so you have yes. to think about that and that with the toxic leader mm. with the one that i have in mind actually worked wonders because you could see him go to speak and then he would go you see him sort of going okay hang on a minute what's going to happen but then true character comes out and we were actually dealing with a narcissist in that case um but i think it it's got an impact
1: it's it's quite a, it's quite an interesting one uh, in there kind mean, of Help, holding up the mirror to, to leaders, to get them to, to see themselves. Uh, and it kind of reminds me of a, a leadership team I was working with. Um, and you know, it, it was interesting listening to the two of you refer to, to male toxic leaders, uh, this particular team, there was one male and three females. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and the, I don't think individually they were that toxic, but together they were a toxic leadership team. They created they, they created a kind of uh, toxicity and, 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 and I, I did this, I kind of held the mirror onto them. I remember coming along to, uh, to one of the team meetings and I just sat there for like half an hour watching them literally tear each other apart uh, until I kind of banged my, head on the, my, my hand on the table and I told them to shut up. <laughs> mm. uh, and they actually stopped and I said, you know, are you listening to yourselves? So imagine if someone walked past here, listening to your conversation, to what you're saying, to, to the way you're behaving, and um, and one of them actually says, "Yeah, this is yeah, this is a bit kind of it's, it's quite toxic, isn't it?" <laughs> and and I just stayed in silence. So yeah, so there's an element of that kind, yeah. an element mm-hmm. of that sometimes kind of it's the simple things that you were saying, Elsa, that you can you you, yeah. you, you can bring to their awareness. But can you? Can you, really see, can you really see the change? And with one individual, yes, I could see the change. But with another one, she found it really, really difficult to step away from that. It's almost as if she only thrived by, being, by, by demonstrating those toxic behaviors. Uh, and she ended up just leaving <laughs> because she just couldn't operate in the non-toxic way. So interesting and sad at the same time
2: really interesting you've just had me thinking about female toxic leaders that I've worked with and there there have only been two in my career um one of them I would have said was toxic because she'd had to be very tough to succeed in a difficult world so that was in media where you first knew me I, I knew a woman there who had a terrible leadership style but you couldn't take her success away from her. She'd she'd achieved a lot in a very difficult arena. So I used to give her some leeway. Um, The other one defined herself by her position. Mm. So I am the chief operating officer, therefore, blah, blah. And I found her incredibly difficult because she would just parrot back at me. I am a main board um, director and you were not. Okay well, oh, let's, let, let's break that one down a bit. Um, and in essence, I'm, you know, trying to help you to succeed in your role. Well, yes, but I earn this amount of money and you don't. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, so that was very difficult. Um, she ended up deciding that the culture that we had within the business and what we were going towards was not for her and left by her own design. Um she caused a lot of unhappiness and a lot of hierarchical silos. It it was a terrible environment that she managed to create while she was there. And she was only there for about nine months.
0: I mean, it it sounds like you're you're describing a really good example of, I think, someone, and, and many toxic leaders fall into this trap. They get seduced by their own patterns of behavior. And some of those patterns have served them well. Even though they, they don't have a rear view mirror they can see the, the damage they leave behind them but those patterns continue and, and you know I've, I've worked with and and coached people who've reported to very senior women leaders in the oil and gas industry and and some of those women have had to fight so hard uh, to be seen um, in, a, in a fairly m- male and misogynistic environment which is quite bad so as a, the result is they end up losing something of their own spirit and identity, because I'm sure when they go home at night, they're a loving mother, wife, uh, you know, daughter, whatever, you know, and all those aspects of it. So, so the, to me, that it's, it's something that people develop patterns of behavior that serve them well, or they think they serve them well, they get the, 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 the results they seek. And so they repeat them, um, irrespective to whether they're the right pattern of behavior for uh, a change in circumstances. And and more recently, when I moved through Toupee from one organization to another, I saw that in several of the senior leaders who came into the organization. Lovely people, individually, but they they operated with these patterns of behavior, which I, I think in, inevitably um, didn't help the, the vast majority of people who were toupee over, which was unfortunate. But, uh, you know, th- those things happen. And I, and I, I often wonder, you, you get me thinking, Elsa, about whether how much of toxic leadership is uh, unconscious in the person who's, who's in exhibiting this behavior, and how much of it is deliberate. And the deliberate bit is the bit that really sends a shiver down my spine, because that's people really using those dark arts. I'm thinking of Voldemort now from Harry Potter. There's dark arts to achieve something versus people who just don't know what they're doing. What's your experience, so with that, or or Josie? I
2: think you, you just hit the nail on the head there. I can see two very distinct images of male leaders I worked with, one who was potentially just not aware of the impact and would have lots of reasons were he to be confronted say we were to have him on this call and and try to discuss some of those um issues that he caused I just don't think he saw it and one of those would be um going through a very difficult restructure a number of years ago um just before Christmas so closing a site three days before Christmas Eve and I'm saying to him Right, so what time am I meeting you there? Should we meet early in a coffee shop? Should we, you know, get our ducks in a row? Blah, blah, blah. They said, what do you mean? I'm not coming. And I said, hang on a minute. I'm there to make this work for you. I don't make the decisions around here. You know, I, I you know, do not set the strategy. Did not write this business plan. Have not got us into this situation. You must be there. And he, he actually used the words, but I don't need to see the whites of their eyes. Which just about knocked me senseless so that would be and and then couldn't understand and said I was being aggressive to him um so that would be one example the other example is the deliberate decision to be that way and that's my most recent experience of toxic leadership where it was very very much a decision to do that where somebody actually got off on manipulation um, understood very well what that meant and um, played it all to his own advantage until there comes a point where you know the mouse will roar and that will fall down around your ears which is what happened in that situation but I, I think what you said there was very valid and for me those would be the two outstanding types of toxic leadership I think there's masses in between but either not being aware of what you're doing or being hyper-aware of what you're doing. I think that's really dangerous. Yeah, and that, it,
1: thanks for sharing that also. I remember y- your message saying, I'm on the train back to London, I need a drink, are you in town? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's kind of, I'm having kind of f- flashbacks in, in, in a way, uh, as well as kind of m- many other stories that we, you know, we shared over the years. I think that there is something there about the, the kind of the personal drivers and values of the individual uh that um the sometimes are going to be too focused and i worked with one particular individual who was um <clears throat> i'll probably say on the verge of bullying more than toxic but there was there was a kind of there was a narcissistic element and the the, the position power uh and and clearly on um what i said i think there was some at at the risk of some kind of boring and old school kind of going back to maslow's hierarchy of needs there were lots of needs there that hadn't been met let's face it and and the individual is trying to um almost like prove to himself and to others around that yeah i I can do this so there there was there was a lot of combination there and i actually challenged this individual one day um much to one of my colleagues horror who has sat there next to me. It's one of those you could hear a pin drop moment. And the, you know, I would say, well, clearly there is an issue in the team. We're seeing these behaviors from you. Uh, it's, it's, it's not conducive to a good working relationship for, for either of us. Um, and the, 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 the person in question says, well, I've, I've been given this feedback before and I said, "Okay, fine. So you've been given the feedback before. So what are you going to do now, <laughs> moving forward to change?" And there was so my colleague was kind of clutching to the to the seat, kind of going, "What the hell?" Uh, that's kind yeah. of the million dollar question that we usually tell other people to ask, but we don't ask ourselves. And my heart was pounding. I'm kind of going, "That's it. I'm I'm out of the door. <laughs> I'm done." Uh, and then there was this silence from 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 the It's kind of almost like looking at himself going, oh, I'm on the spot now. I need to do something about it. Um, So, but it wasn't an easy one because it it was a lot, it was almost like a set of ingrained Mm. self-beliefs, more kind of values driven rather than, than, than. Then kind of you know I'm here for show type thing. So which I think if it was a case of I'm here for show and just to show my power would be easy to coach out or, or to to help manage. But because it was such that kind of ingrained belief values driven, uh, and I'm mm-hmm. trying not to give too much away. Otherwise, if the individuals listening, <laughs> um, so there, there were cultural elements there. There was a strong value belief, mm-hmm. but there were I think there were a lot of basic needs that hadn't been met in the past that. Yeah. Uh, To to Dave's point earlier, you could easily have gone into the the realm of therapy. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. Anyway, so just having flashbacks. (laughs) Uh, No, no, it's it's funny. You're making me have flashbacks as well. (laughs) Uh, Not bad ones, but because there's an element of um, sympathy and empathy flows, I think, and building and Elsa's point, which is if somebody uh, genuinely isn't doing this consciously, and you kind of want to help them as a as a professional. You want to say, well, "What can I do to help this person?" Um, but there's always these breadcrumbs that give you a sense of, "Oh, what am I getting on? <laughs> What's happening here?" And I recall one, and again, this is not breaching any confidentiality. It was a long time ago. Um, I was doing a 360, um, setting it up. We never actually got it done. We were setting it up, and this individual says, "Yes, yes, yes. I, I want the 360, but..." I don't want any of my direct reports opinions. I just want to, well, that's, well, that's not a 360, is it? You know, it's not really going to help you. And they say, no, 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 you don't understand. They don't understand and they don't know. So I don't want to include them. So at that point, I then say, well, I, I can't really do a 360 for you then. So I'll, and I just withdrew. Now, I wondered how much at that point I was colluding <laughs> with their behavior. They clearly didn't want to do it. And they found a way out which was pushing my buttons around saying, I'm not going to do this with you. I mean, I immediately went back to my boss and said, this is what's going on here. There's something deeper and more toxic going on. And there was. And, and eventually that person uh, moved on to their next assignment in another part of the world. But it, it's, it's things like that. So as professionals, what kind of breadcrumbs do you either um, register, either th- that tell you there's an element of toxicity around this? You know, is its is it second-hand referrals from somebody coming to you an HR professional Ailsand saying, you need to fix this guy, he's a mess? Or is it you picking it up through your own... Uh, and what kind of things do you pick up?
2: What I'd say to that is, if I just use the most recent example in my mind, what did I pick up? I picked up that whatever new strategy would come out from this individual or whatever his next requirement would be or where he saw us going if you distilled that back down to well what's the outcome of that what what good does that deliver for the organization quite often what that would come back to is it doesn't deliver good for the organization it delivers good for me so it's very self-driven and in that situation it's virtually impossible to um, turn that person's thinking around because the person is not thinking I'm there to serve the organisation, it's the organisation that's there to serve me, um, which goes very against my own values and my principles and the way that I work. And in fact, that individual actually did once say to me, I I don't have to have morals, I have you. And so maybe I should just on that. A bit of a showstopper, isn't it? He had difficulty in finding representation when he eventually left the company.
0: Wow. Yeah,
2: it's a small place to work and reputations are huge. So big fish and small ponds around the particular geographical location. <laughs>
0: yeah, there, there is something you on there, Elsa, I I think it's really interesting, which is um their their own you talk about you're almost touching on i don't use the word but ego states Mm. and the fact that we we all we all have egos right we all set out and even od punks is you know what's driven josie and myself to do this apart from reconnecting it's a bit of fun it gets us out there and all that so ego drives a lot and and Mm. ego is not always that bad so i i wonder often how many of these these folks you've worked with have their own inner mental demons that are haunting them a little bit
2: that's interesting I I think it's probably true in most instances if you're actually looking at a chief executive or you know managing director type role I think in other instances of you know leaders within a business where you know I was talking about someone who's fairly passive you know that Mm -hmm. person was a CFO so actually has a whole other game he's thinking about and you know, doesn't want the noise. But then when you're in the seat where the noise lives, Mm -hmm. um, I think that those people have very different drivers. Now, I know that in lots of large corporations, people that rise to those jobs are incredibly, you know, they're very academic, they're intelligent people. They've um, gone through a process to get there. So if we go back to our friend at KPMG, you know, he obviously had a large career before he ended up in that seat um yes there will be ego there and it's all become quite apparent through what's happened to him but i think <clears throat> where i've seen elements of toxicity coming out it's coming from different drivers it's coming from perhaps not having had the best academic background not perhaps um having had a lot of confidence, um, having to build those things for yourself, but in doing so becoming very focused and very aggressive. So you, you see that often, I think in sales and marketing, you'll see people old school sales and marketing. I wouldn't say so much now. Um, but individuals I'm thinking of there, one came from sales and the other came from a broadly operational background within hospitality and then managed to turn, um, his skill towards becoming actually, and this is a whole other topic, is if somebody is an internal appointment into that role as opposed to an external appointment. So I think somebody coming in externally to become a leader in a business is very different um, kettle of fish, different animal there. Um, But the one I'm thinking of was an internal appointment, and it was disastrous. Um, Mm -hmm. This is our person who didn't need to have morals and um, thought the organisation served him. Um, and he came from, um, he had no academic qualifications whatsoever. He had left school, gone into hospitality, and somehow managed to get as far as he did until he got as far as he couldn't cope with, I think is fair to say.
1: Yeah, yeah that's, um, you know, as you as, as, as we were talking, I was kind of thinking because... And one thing that came to mind is that we talked about charisma and we mm-hmm. see charisma as this kind of great leadership quality yet a lot of <laughs> destructive leaders so to call them um, one of the, the traits or characteristics is charisma um, mm-hmm. and in, in, whether we want it or not there was a certain element of charisma with, uh, with Trump uh, otherwise, you know, how, 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 how would he have reached the, the masses that he did? So you, you, you need to have the, 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 the kind of element of, of, of charisma. Again, an example of, as you said, also of someone that got as far as they could, but once they were there kind of going, <laughs> ouch, how do, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with all this stuff? You know, how, do I, yeah. how do I lead? How do I become this leader that, that, that's expected? Um, so I think there's there's all those, in, you know, in, in my mind, and there's lots of research out there that says that there's all this kind of good quality, good traits of leadership like charisma, uh, power, Nar- narcissism to some extent could be perceived as good in, 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 in some areas, um, and um, and having strong values is key, you know, authentic, authenticity and all of that. But I think there's always there's a shadow or the dark side to 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 all of those. Um, and as the two of you were talking, I'm sitting here wondering, so in in our role, what is it that we can do to to raise awareness? You know, how can we step up and challenge that internal promotion if we know it's not going to be right or or if it's going to be right, it's going to need a lot more work uh, with it. Um, and it's really interesting listening to you, also having been in that role in HR, challenging and sometimes not challenging, which to me shows that the line isn't always clear. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. You always walk in that kind of thin line, and thinking from a, you know, from the learning and OD perspective, you know, the perspective, um, you know how, what are we challenging for? For the greater good of the organization, or is it because mm-hmm. we want to challenge because we think it's the right thing to do? Uh, I, so, that, yeah, the, listening to you two is kind of making me reflect and, and wonder what else could I have done and what else can we do as, as a practice to, to challenge that and, 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 and help toxic leaders, actually. I wouldn't say get rid of them, destroy them, help them. Um, because it'd be very easy you know we live in the council culture it'd be very easy to just you know you know kpmg council culture gone ouch i think there <laughs> are the issues there i think the fact that he
0: he was a chairman yeah, <laughs> he was a
1: chairman and the fact that he he admitted to be breaking the law yeah. i think that was more of an issue yeah. than than what he said yeah. uh but you know rather than go <clears throat> for the council culture how can we actually support yeah. people and again i'm looking i'm you know I'm coming at this from the the caring profession side, uh, always wanting to help to the positive, the positive side. And um, I'm probably rambling on now. I'm not making sense even to myself, but
0: oh, you're you're uh, you're making sense. I think Ilsa gave us one of the answers to that, which was I think something you said earlier, Ilsa, about as you described one of the leaders you were talking about. You saw the whole person. You saw the history. You saw what made them uh, get to that point. You know what what kind of background they come through what struggles maybe what was deficient in their journey mm-hmm. and and I, I I think you know building strong relationships is possible with toxic leaders because they all need to communicate with somebody and, and certainly from the examples you've given Elsa, you obviously got to know these people uh, and from that perspective you have an inroad so you know executive coaching or coaching of any form works on the basis of you come in, you intervene, you build the relationship, you walk away at a certain point in time. But I think HR professionals and uh, OD professionals who work in organizations, I think have a great opportunity to get to know people. And and I, I can certainly, it certainly reminds me when, when you both, you guys were talking, it certainly reminded me of one leader who, you know, people would always say, oh, once you get to know him, he's all right. But until you get to know him he's a complete bastard <laughs> and that's that was the, the archetype of this individual I mean once you got to know the person you thought my god underneath this there's some really good values they just lacked an ability it connects with people and, and, and at the heart of it they weren't bad we we kind of demonized them because we saw behaviors we didn't like and and I think there's a challenge I, th- I think there's very as we've been talking about here there's very Uh, clear toxic leadership you know they come along they say something utterly dumb and reckless or painful or they treat people disrespectfully and then there's this other kind of toxic leadership which is just taking it to the edge just to the line just enough to think oh they're not very approachable oh I, I don't feel comfortable walking into their office oh they're making me feel a bit sick before I do this task for them you know that kind of toxicity and and there's an element of that sits with us there's an element of that sits with them. But I I do think the one theme that comes out through toxicity and toxic leadership is they tend to rise through organizations and they tend to be in positions of power because they didn't have that power. Then we wouldn't be fearful of them, and the power you can imagine coming out of um, the the period of history we've been in uh, of late. There's going to be a lot of organisations where people are are, are holding on to their jobs, but the skin of their teeth um, as they come out of furlough because they're they're fearful of losing their income, they're fearful of losing their their way to feed their family. You know, so there's going to be an element of some of this stuff will be reinforced even further. Um, but there's something you both said there. You know, in in light of in service of the organization and i think where organizations have a clear culture that's easy and that culture is understood and believed um there's so many organizations out there do cultures and, they, and the and the workforce don't believe it they just think it's a load of crud you know so so there's that, that element in service of the organization but how many organizations have cultures that are in service of the organization or there are a bunch of um lone uh what's the word i'm looking for what's what's the samurai lone samurai wandering around the organization with their big swords cutting people down because they get paid for results and the problem is the point i think you made earlier josie which is you know people go through organizations rise up in the talent because they produce stuff they, they they achieve goals they get stuff done and we are still failing to hold people accountable for behaviors that are not conducive to basic human respect and recognition and and allowing people to to manage that whole thing of power so it, just in that conversation you both had there there was so much buzzing around in my head but i think you also gave an answer one of josie's question which is how did you deal with these people how did you help them um, and i think establishing a relationship with them has to be a first um almost that um supportive relationship where you're not how many of you have worked with people where as soon as you've shown them your teeth they respect you you know it's that kind of primal um playground sort of behavior where i don't i see through your crap and then suddenly they think oh, i like dave he's a nice guy to speak to you know and, and that is a part of my thinks i've just colluded with that you know i've just i've just but at least i've got an in now Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as an agent in the organization I now have an in to have conversations with them and uh, and I think if you can do that I think that's really powerful if you can affect a change so I've, I've worked with I'm sure you both have as well I've Worked toxic leaders who have coached who've made you know I think Ailsa said something earlier that they've gone forward a couple of steps and they hold it for a period of time And then they regress because their patterns of behavior are so powerful, they cannot change or they don't want to change. So I I don't know, I mean, if if we're in, I'm conscious where we're in time, we're probably coming up to the last 12 minutes, but I think you both raise a good point. So for folks listening, what could you do? What could you do to um, help toxic leaders, limit toxic leadership, either from a one-to-one or an organizational level? Thoughts? Yeah, no, no pressure.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, I think, the, as, as you were talking, Dave, and building up on what Karthas said earlier, for me, there's something around, yes, there, there is leadership element, and we talk about kind of coaching and having the conversations and so on, but I, I want to kind of, kind of come down one level to kind of the weather organization. So the environment that's created, the culture and all of that. So why do... So why do leaders become toxic leaders? Why do they feed on that, um, on, 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 on that energy? So what, what feeds them to become toxic in your organization? And I'm kind of wondering, is it because the, the employee population want guidance, wanted leadership, and, and in many ways kind of demand that? You know how many how many teams have we worked with that they say well we expect leadership you know we will we, who's the follower we're not going to do the the job until we get direction from from the boss so so i wonder if and another way to, to 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 try and address the, the the challenge is by doing more work with the teams to help them understand what is it that they why first of all do you really need leadership do you need to be more self-managing more self-organizing and because there's this kind of element of um, oh, what was it? Is it um, team dynamics? Kind of buy on that. You know, we we want a leader so that if anything goes wrong, we can mm. point the finger at the leader, or we, we 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 want someone to follow and all of that. So kind of working with teams to help them understand what kind of leadership style that they need and what for, and do they even need some of that? And um, because if they just if they say you know we want leadership of course it's going to boost their ego (laughs) and their power kind of going oh i've got followers they want me No, i need to do it and that's on on one hand there's that side from the other side kind of looking at as we were talking about earlier Dave, culture it's a tough one it's the million dollar question around around culture but i'm wondering from an hr and people practices point of view uh have we got the right checks and balances in place and sometimes we do and there's all the, the various kind of talent processes and and, and checklists, you know, should someone be promoted if they've been here long enough to demonstrate your values, but how well do we hold on to, how well do we follow those? So for me, there's an element of kind of, the, you know, we we challenge uh, sometimes team leads and, and managers at lower levels. Do we challenge leadership enough? There's an element of that for me. Um, so yeah, so um, because I've already covered the the, the, the coaching bit, um, I thought I'd take a different angle. Can we work at the team level to help create other needs around leadership? Perhaps I don't know.
2: I think that's that is so valid. Is to find out what does leadership mean in your organization? What do people actually require from it? Um, and I could be going out on a limb here, but that was my swan song in my last job, and I got to a point where we needed to define what does leadership mean to us, and we surveyed it. We went out and said, for once, we'll do an anonymous survey because we had got to a good place. We had people who would give us feedback without anonymity there, and it was a great place to be for a period of time, and when that fell back in order to find out what this whole anger around leadership was about, but to get down to what do you need? What do you see? Where is it not giving you what you want? Um, and I think we had something like an 87% response to that survey and it's the most damning commentary I've ever seen. And when I say it was my swan song, I had to deliver the results of that to the individual we've been talking about. Um, I knew I was was leaving, so I just thought I can try Mm. to make life better prior to going. Um, But that person had a day or two where it was, everyone hates me, I'm going to go and eat worms, to turning around and going, none of this is my fault, it's your fault. Simple as that it's not the fault of me, it's my exec team. They just can't understand how to communicate down into the business, which for me was just unacceptable. But.
1: Yeah, kind of, as you, as you were saying that, I'm kind of going, can we really, you know, I'm asking myself, here, here I was five minutes earlier saying, I want to help these people. <laughs> and, then I, and then I'm kind of going, and I'm kind of no, not I've not changed my mind. I'm just kind of going. Can we actually even change? You know that example else of you know this is not my fault. This is someone else's fault. Mm. Um, are we fighting a losing battle? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Well, that individual. <laughs> oh, sorry. That individual went on to hold coffee mornings with the teams of people who had said these things to explain why this was not true. Like honestly we want to cry thinking
0: about it but again it's it's often you know it's how many leaders have you worked with who've come through a traditional you know they've, they've come from being an engineer a scientist um you know they've come from some other core profession into leadership and how prepared are they for that and and are they just a frustrated engineer who now has to manage people um, and they maybe go on a seminar on strategy and they read a book on strategy and suddenly they think they've got mm. it. You know, that kind of stuff. So I, I some of this can be down to good old fashioned, are they competent enough to do that stuff? Have they been assessed are, but then again, the bit we talked about earlier, you know, what, what are their internal demons that they're wrestling with that gets in the way and they refuse to accept that? What's our shadow side? You know, the stuff that's stopping them from being successful. Um, I'm conscious where we're, we've we got five minutes to go um, and I, I think building on something Josie said earlier, there could easily be a part two of this. Um, so we'll, we'll have a think about that because that might not be a bad idea because I, I certainly this has uh, got me thinking about a lot of things and and it'd be interesting to go further into that whole conversation around. So how do you help organize? What, what would be a template for an organization mm. to begin to look at it from a organizational standpoint? their are organizational systemic things that help them improve this and manage it. <laughs> and then the one-to-one, you know, actually helping that person. Um, and, and from HR, ultimate policies might be helping them out the door as well, which is the ultimate weapon of mass destruction, let's be honest. Um, I guess we're 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 into winding up now. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. He. Oh, actually, I got some really good. I've got a shout out for Eric Streets, who's a VP of HR. Eric uh, gave me some lovely, lovely feedback, Josie, on this. He thought it was really good. Uh, so just hey, hey, Eric, thank you for your feedback. Send it to your other HR friends. Um, he's a good good chum as well. But he he really enjoyed it. So, um, Ilsa, I, I don't think this is the end. I think this is the beginning. So. Can I just say thank you so much for um you know th- that's gone really quick that's about 45 minutes guys so even more than that so thanks so much for for your contribution today and and being an honorary ODPunk punk uh for this period of time I I think we might have to continue this conversation at a time that is convenient for us all three um Josie anything you want to finish and Ailsa, anything you want to finish before we we call it a, a halt
1: I, I think for me there's I, I agree that I think another another follow-up because for me there's something kind of still lingering around is the situation we're in I think people not just in organizations but in society and communities will need leadership and and there could be a risk that because there's this need we want we want something to hold on to that there could be an emergence of charismatic leaders with this shadow side around, uh, wanting to grab both power and, and owning power uh that could lead down to p- toxicity down the line um so this could be an interesting follow-up to see what happens in the next couple of months from a, a maybe political leadership or country leadership point of view i don't know Ooh. so that's that's an interesting one to watch especially with, with scotland potentially wells independence on the cards so but I'll, <laughs> I'll i'll rest there elsa over to you <laughs>
2: Um, Well, thank you very much for having uh, had me along. I'm very honoured to be an honorary punk. Um, I think there is definitely merit in exploring this further. I think what we've done today is a bit of show and tell. And I think that in leadership, we're all looking for our North Star, whatever that means to us on individual levels and, you know, organisational levels. Um, And I think what would be interesting, and I think maybe there are three parts to this, including today, is to look at actually what's going to be needed now, what's going to be needed now and in the next, you know, five years or whatever, what does leadership look like then? Because it's going to be different. It is going to have to be different with what um, has happened in the world.
0: So I I think, thank you, Ilsa. I think you've just given us a headline for to be continued (laughs) um, on this, so. um, just as we head out there, I'm, I'm going to say it's goodbye from this OD punk, Dave Sherritt. It's goodbye from?
1: Uh, Joseph Franker, the other OD punk, and from our lovely
2: guest. Goodbye from Elsa.
0: <laughs> Thank you again. Take care, guys. Thank you. Bye for now.